It's time to carve some fresh tracks with Dan Egan, powered by Neshoba Valley, Elon Skis, and SkiClinics.com on Indy 617. Hi, everybody. It's Indy 617. I'm Dan Egan, and this is Fresh Tracks. And this week, I'm joined by Doug Stout, uh, a big-time Arctic explorer and adventurer uh, and longtime ski bum and friend. Doug, how you doing today? I'm doing well, and I'm, uh, I don't know about that intro, but I'm more of a legend in my own mind. Uh, but I do love skiing. I love to be out skiing every day. Um, I do some polar stuff. I think I've been to the, the North Pole 17 times. Uh, I crossed uh, the Arctic Ocean uh, in 2005 from Siberia to the North Pole, uh, where there's sea ice moving around in 19 different polar bear encounters. Uh, I also uh, involved down in, um, in Antarctica, which means no bear, uh, and that's uh, I've done 18 trips to the South Pole, including four crossings of Antarctica, including my first crossing in 2000, where I took a blind guy and his sight guide who was deaf from the coast to the pole, 62 days, 787 miles. Uh, so, and I've done a handicapped guy that was in a wheelchair and a sit ski, and he went, we went 500 miles from the sea ice um, all the way to the South Pole, and that was 24 days. Take an 18-year-old across Antarctica, took an Irishman, and recreated Ernest Shackleton's intended route of 1914 through 1916. So I'm sort of a history buff. Um, I miss the mountains when I'm on those long treks uh, that can be up to two months long, and I love skiing. I grew up skiing in Pennsylvania and uh, Ski Roundtop on the East Coast, and I moved out west uh, after college and sort of fell in love with the mountains out there, and I'm a true mountain man. Uh, I have a lot of uh, survival skills that I've learned through uh, polar exploration and um, certainly love skiing. I love ski touring, um, and I do all kinds of ski touring around the world. I think I pioneered all the skiing in Antarctica uh, in, the, in around 2000. I did the first ski and snowboard descent with my good friend uh, Doug Coombs nice. and Mark Newcomb and nice. uh, also Stephen Koch, wow. uh, and we did that in 1999, wow, so Steve, yeah, I'm an old guy. A lot of people don't ever really contemplate the Arctic or Antarctica. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that people have read about or they hear about, but you, you've frequented it so many times. I, I, I wonder what, what's special about it for you. I think, um, you know, Antarctica is this um, such a pristine and clean place. I think, uh, you know, you're, you get there in November is the time frame that I usually run these trips. And, and uh, you're running, around, running down, you're basically skinning up and then you're skiing down these pristine canvases uh, where no human has ever been to. And you're skiing to penguins and seals and whales, which I love skiing to wildlife. I think that's the most fascinating thing with me. And then the glaciers are calving into the water and it's 50,000 year old glacial ice that's um, sort of snap crackling and popping in, in underneath you and all that CO2 and, and oxygen is being released into the air and um, you know it sounds sort of crazy but it's a really interesting uh, place to, to be and to, to experience and and then we go back on a luxury boat and we have cocktails <laughs> and a guy in a tuck serving us chicken fish or vegetarian and then we get up and it's groundhog day and, and we do it again. Do it so, all again. So it's amazing. You know I, I've been uh, I've been up in the northern Canadian Arctic a couple times and you know for me being up there it's 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 the sense of isolation right you're really so far away there's no need for a wallet there's no need for a phone life the the sort of the paradigm of life switches a little bit 
Absolutely. It's a very simple way of life. And, you know, on the polar thing, it's more about just survival. But in Antarctica, I totally agree with you. It is this uh, clean and pristine place where probably no human has ever been. They do have cruises that go down there, uh, but they don't head up into the mountains. So to have that experience, I feel like I'm not only fortunate, but um, just it's an amazing opportunity for me to be able to take people there. uh, And I'm privileged. Yeah. And and so, you know, on some of these massive treks, 24 days and so on, when you're out there, uh, how do you maintain the motivation where you just like, you know, there's going to be an end, you know, you're not going to be lost, you know, like, how do you sustain the effort over such a period of time? Well, I, you know, Dan, I think uh, the, tr- the the planning and preparation lead to the success. So we are doing a lot of planning in these advent- adventures. Um, so this is a, this is part of how we go about these adventures. But to be honest with you, we really get into a zone and it's almost like in that flow state and every day it's a very civilized way of life. And I have this much food in my sled and I have this much fuel in my sled to actually boil ice and snow to make water. And that's my sort of livelihood. And, and I have to calculate how many days it's going to take me. Everything is, is completely calculated. I, t- I cut labels out of clothing. I cut my toothbrush in half. I weigh every food that I'm intaking and, and to, the, to the nearest gram. It's a very uh, calculated uh, endeavor. And so I know whether I'm going to make it or not in the first 10 days. And, and all I care about is really getting my distance in. And so today, if we need to do 10 nautical miles and we don't do it, then the equation changes. If we do it over, then we have a little bit in the bank. But obviously, you have to calculate that you'll get stronger and that you also will get uh, your, your sled weight will re- reduce a little bit, too. So that's part of the, the thinking as well. Of course, we're on Fresh Tracks right here on Indy 617. We're talking with Doug Stout, uh, Arctic adventurer, and uh, who runs trips all over the world. I'm wondering if you could talk to us a little bit, Doug, about you know, how that has shifted your paradigm and how you view life back here in the lower 48 when you come home. Well, I, I really um, feel the first couple of trips that I was doing, it was really about myself. Uh, you know, getting to the summit or getting to the pole was really something that, you know, beat your chest and, you know, um, it's all about me kind of thing. And I realized how we can really help out mankind. Uh, so since that point, um, you know, in early 2000s or around there, um, I started changing my whole um, ambition and, and, and all of my trips. And really, it's about how we can really help out mankind and whether we can uh, raise money for charity or we can um, do science work along the way or we could possibly uh, take a handicapped person, uh, do some sort of philanthropic work along the way. And every trip that I do has to, have to, has to have that angle. Every person that I take to the North or South Pole has to raise money for charity or I will not take them. So I have a purpose in every trip that I do. There's no reason for me to do the carbon footprint to go all the way up to the North Pole and uh, just have to walk to the pole just to, to have the guys talk at the country club how great their trip was. Um, it's really important for me that we make a difference in um, this day and age of our uh, of our um, of our planet, and uh, I am an ambassador for the Plastic Pollution Coalition and Protect Our Winners. Um, so this is really important for me that we have a more sustainable life. It's always good to uh, be motivated by a purpose, to have a good outcome, and to help others. I love that. And Doug, you know, as as you go about this, I mean, you and I, of course, lost different friends over the years. We're we're very uh, aware of the risks. And uh, I'm just wondering, of course, we all like a good story. Uh, What's your closest call? 
Uh, probably, you know, it's always about mitigating risk in the mountains. Um, I have had several polar bear encounters um, up on the Arctic Ocean, uh, especially in 2005 where I tried to ski from Siberia. Um, and, uh, you know, there was one instance where there was a polar bear um, and a lot, lot goes on with uh, the covers of our sled that we actually carry all our supplies in. They're Kevlar fabric and you can't, you could ski across them and you can poke them with a, with a knife or a ski pole and they wouldn't break. But this polar bear, I put the sled right outside my entrance to the tent and it, it ripped it open like it was tissue paper and was eating. And I happened to wake up and I unzipped the tent and probably probably is uh, two meters away. It was a polar bear looking at me, and I had a flare gun in my hand, and I shot him square between the eyes and put a big burn hole, and he ran away. So um, I've had about, uh, you know, probably 30 or 40 polar bear encounters. Being up in Svalbard, uh, where I run ski and sail trips, there's 3,000 polar bears up there, so I've had a few encounters up there, and then up on the Arctic Ocean when I'm skiing to the pole, I've encountered a, a few as well. So it's not fun. I feel sometimes we don't belong there. Um, the other other time, I think, crossing the Antarctic and doing a new route across Antarctica uh, through the Recovery Glacier, I fell into four different crevasses up to my chest, and that was a, a fairly scary moment, you know, that I can remember. But other than that, I think uh, I have some guardian angels follow me around and uh, certainly uh, try to, to be safe in the mountains. I think that's key. And I never say I'm a professional. I'm constantly trying to learn and learn more and um, educate myself. Uh, just a walk in the park, uh, dealing with a polar bear and a flare gun. Hey, don't go away. we got plenty more coming straight at you right here on Fresh Tracks with Doug Stout on Indy 617. 